Good evening and welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I am your hostess Crystal. Thank you for joining me this evening. I have one of the most fabulous blues players you will have ever heard. I absolutely love this man. He, when I first heard him playing, I thought, my goodness, that is just beautiful. He's a very underrated player, I believe, and I would love to see him more on the international stage. I know he's been to Memphis and for the Blues competition, so that gives you a little hint about who I'm talking about. It's none other than PJ O'Brien, fantastic songwriter, guitar player, and all-round really, really nice person. Hi, PJ. How are you going this evening? I'm very well, and you? I'm very, very well. Thank you. How's your day been? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just settled in for the evening. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And how was yours today? <laughs> yeah, really busy like it always is. Yeah. Had to take a, a mixing desk to get repaired because that kind of decided to blow up first. Uh, first set of the band gig last week. Right, so. they, they have a tendency to do that when they're going to go. <laughs> yeah, not fun, is it? No, not that's, fun. A, that's a horrible feeling. It is. Now, PJ, you're a great songwriter. I love your songs and one of my favourite is Cold Like the North Pole. And I know you have many, many others, but that's one that I absolutely love. Yeah, that so, seems, to, seems to be a popular one. Yeah, so where did you get the inspiration for that one? Uh, I can't think. Um, it's a few, going back a few years now. I, I can't think. Uh, it's a pretty sort of. It's kind of a standard uh, main riff. That sort of uh, particular guitar riff features quite a bit in um, you know, sort of a standard riff in blues. But I've always tried to sort of make the songs a little different by putting in like you know a chorus and a bridge. Um, those sort of poppier elements into my blues. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the inspiration for it, I've, I've completely forgotten now, but um, that was the aim, was to, to make something that was bluesy, but, you know, slightly a bit more, um, a broader appeal, I guess, um, for the yeah. actual song structure. Yeah. And do you find uh, that that's hard to do? Or do, is this something like, is it something you've got to work on a lot or is it just kind of come naturally to have that format? Um, I th- I've kind of got a bit of a format now. Like the songs, um, you know, each one is, is kind of different, I hope. But um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, I, they are, yeah. I sort of have that approach where I'll get the main um, part of the song, you know, the, the meat of the song, and then um, I'll think, you know, maybe two verses and then a, a chorus or a two verses verses and then the, a link to the chorus, you know, a bridge. Yep. And then a solo and then maybe come back out into a bridge again. So the, I, I had that sort of idea when I'm writing. So I'll, I'll come up with the main idea and then think, okay, how can I structure this like a, um, a proper song? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So sometimes they flow and sometimes they require a bit more work depending on, you know, how I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. How many songs do you reckon you've written? Um, I'm not sure. There's a lot of half-finished ones, that's for sure. But um, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, probably forty to fifty finished ones, which kind of doesn't sound 
that much now that I'm saying it, but um, but lots of kind of half-finished ideas, and I sort of leave them half-finished until uh, I feel like, you know, I kind of revisit them and think, that one's got promise, I'll put it aside. And then when it's time to actually record something, that's when I sort of go digging them out and, and seeing if yeah. I can finish them. Yeah. Are you somebody that kind of gets an idea, you might be... Uh, you know, on the train or going for a walk and you get an idea and you write that idea down, you don't might necessarily might use it just then, but you've got like a whole drawer full of ideas. Yeah, sometimes there's things, I'll just pick up the guitar and I'll I'll go back to noodling around on something that sort of caught my attention and won't go away sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think if I'm doing that, then there's something to that. I can sort of revisit that and try and make a song of it. Um, but I sort of struggle a bit with the... The lyrics, that doesn't come to me as easy as the actual music. So, um, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of, that's the hardest part for me, I think. Right, right. Now, you said about 50 songs. PJ, that is no mean feat. That is a mean feat, I should say. <laughs> like 50 songs, that's about five albums, right? Uh, well, I've got about, I've recorded three albums of original music. In a, in a previous band, we did one. CD, which was original stuff, and there's stuff that hasn't been recorded. So, um, yeah, it's about that number, I think. They're not yeah. not all good, I have to say. <laughs> there's plenty of rubbish but, in there. Oh um, no! Look, I don't believe that for a second. We've got two of your albums, and we love to play them on road trips, right? Oh, good. and yeah, and I just love love your work, love your work, and you know what gets me about you is and I wasn't joking in the beginning when I said you know you're one of the most fabulous players we come and seen you at a gig and every all guitarists have a pedal board right yeah now I've been dying to say this to you for some time <laughs> most guitarists have a pedal board yeah not you it was a little one I just <laughs> kind of seen three or four pedals or whatever it was yeah. at your feet and your chords were kind of not straight. <laughs> they were like tangled a little bit and I'm going, I said to my husband, Rob, I said, do you think PJ would mind if I went and straightened his leads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just um, it just falls out of the case and um, yeah. know, unfurls And that's itself. where they stay. Yeah. I guess the main thing is, are you very conscious at all um, of not tripping on the leads? It's happened a few times. In fact, it happened the other night and I um, I just killed the guitar midway through the, the song and I couldn't find out what it actually um, knocked out while oh, I was playing. No. So I, I, for the first time ever, I had to call an end to the song in the middle of it, which was, yeah, you, you, wouldn't, you know, it's not something you want to do. No, did you find it kind of goes um, on par with your mixer blown up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> one of those things. But, so um, did you find out what the problem was, most importantly? Yeah, it was kind of dark and eventually I found a, a lead that was that should have been plugged in. Um, but yeah, so, so you just kind of pulled it out, yeah. yeah. So that's why I keep things to a minimum. I think the less there is to go wrong, the better for me, I think. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. So, PJ, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your guitars and yep. why you've chosen certain guitars and amplifiers and why you use those. So, Well, I, um, I've always used Stratocasters, Fender Strats, and I think that's probably just because I, you know, I loved, when I started, I loved Clapton and Hendrix and uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, and, and so I just um, 
that's kind of I wanted to play what they played. Mm-hmm. And um, and amplifiers, I started with Fender as well, but um, I tried heaps of different amps over the the years, but mainly my sound is kind of it's a clean sound, and I just add, you know, um, I beef it up a bit with a couple of pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of get my sound from any amp valve amp that has a a clean a good clean sound, um, and it's just a stratty kind of sound. So there's nothing. Um, I guess it's pretty unadorned as far as guitar sounds go. Um, yeah, that just seems to suit me, really. I sort of, um, and talking about the pedals, I've tried lots of different things and um, it just doesn't kind of suit my style, I don't think. No, I would totally agree with you there. I think uh, the clean sound that you have does your voice, it complements your voice and your songs. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I don't have uh, the strongest voice. It's kind of a middly sort of sounding thing. It's not like a natural, big, loud singing voice. So I think if I had a, a big rocky sound, I would be struggling to get over the top of that vocally. Yeah, right. So yeah. I think, um, and we don't play too loud either. I think that's kind of, um, that sort of suits the guitar sound yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, I just like to keep it, keep it simple, really. Yeah. And, and the loudness, it <laughs> suits the venues too. Yeah. You don't want to be told to turn down. <laughs> uh, I get told to turn up quite often, which is quite bizarre. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, so um, yeah, I'm always conscious of not wanting to, you know, blow people's heads off in a small bar or anything because I, I think there's nothing worse than when um, you see people sort of leaning in trying to talk to each other and they can't hear each other. And um, So, yeah, I just... Um, try to keep it down a bit to a dull roar. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, it how you play is very much like how you are. You know, you're you're not um, someone who's big and blustery. You're just this nice, gentle, kind fella that um, is very, very approachable. And um, and I think it kind of shows in your music as well. Oh well, that's nice. Nice to hear. You know. Yeah, yeah. So now, who or what was your earliest uh, musical influence um, or inspiration? Well, I think that before I actually started playing, I loved, um, first big love was 50s rock and roll. So I loved um, Chuck Berry and Little Richard. So they got me really excited about um, music. And plus my, my folks were really into music and they played, you know, hits from the day so there was always music playing so I was kind of into it but um yeah it was rock and roll which I got really um right into and then once you start reading about it you you know you start reading about the influences of those guys and you pretty soon you're into the blues 100 <laughs> percent mm. and um and so around that time my sister had a really great re- record collection and she um she had some BB King and and she was the one who first played me Steve Ray Vaughan and um so and then it was like well I, I have to get a guitar now this is um this is you what has to, to happen yeah <laughs> this is it yeah and um so we had a an old sort of Spanish guitar around the house which it just kind of sat in the corner it just looked good no one actually touched it but um and um so I tried playing that but I had no kind of you know this is before YouTube you couldn't really 
unless you had a guitar teacher, it was impossible to work out how to play it. It was out of tune. Mm. And, um, and around that time, I, I'd left school. I think I, I got my first job and my boss was a guitar player. And um, Fate. Yeah, he he sold me a um, like a sort of Strat copy and um, showed me my first lick and that was it. Like once I learned that lick, um, I was away. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And in fact, I, I remember walking home after he showed me and I couldn't stop playing because I thought I would forget how to do it. And I bumped into another guy from school. I was like, watch this. Just kept playing that one lick over. He was like, yeah. is there anything else? Like, no, no, it's just that, but... <laughs> but for you, for you, it was that defining moment, yeah. And very, as I said, very fated because, you know how how you know funny is it that you go to a job and he's a guitar your your boss is a guitar teacher. I mean, which is mm. what you wanted to do. It's like the universe set that up for you, I reckon, PJ. Yeah, and um, he sends me a message every now and then. He's still um, mad blues nut and still yeah. rapped that you know. He gave me my first guitar, so. Yeah. And um, you... I was going to say it was funny. I, I, I didn't even know how to change the strings. I had to take my guitar to him to get him to change the string on. It was like, you know, I can show you how to do this. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, so I was Mary Green, and um, from there I there was a Tuesday night jam session at the Perth <laughs> Blues Club, mm-hmm. um, which is still going every Tuesday night since 1991, I think. Oh goodness, yeah. And um, that's I just jumped up at the jam doing that one lick, and uh, that's where it started. Yeah, and did you just say Perth? Did you? Mm. Oh, I didn't realise you were from Perth. Yeah. Okay, so what made you trans- transverse the Nullarbor and come to Sydney? Uh, well, Perth was kind of a wasn't too much happening, and it was a you know, if you wanted to play music for a living, you had to go to Melbourne or Sydney. And um, and Sydney it was. And that was in um, 97 when I first came. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was incredible. You, know, you could play three, four nights a week and, and everybody was saying, oh, no, you should have seen it, you know, a couple of years ago. But coming from Perth, mm-hmm. it was just amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you got your first start at, at a jam night? Yeah. And was it a blues jam night or just all, yeah, the, it was all genres? The um, Perth Blues Club set up mm-hmm. began as a jam and um, so it was sort of some of the older guys from around Perth, Rick Steele and um, Bob Patient, the keyboard player, had formed this sort of house band and and put this jam on and um, – yeah, it was every Tuesday night. I was, I, I just lived for that Tuesday night. I bet. And did you find that watching other musicians, other guitar players, you just kind of really, really honed in and watched what they were doing, and then went home and copied that? Would yeah. you say that that's what happened? Definitely. And um, you know, you sort of didn't. didn't nobody was particularly. Um, no one was really showing you exactly what they were doing. It wasn't like a. You just had to keep your ears open and watch and then race home and try and do it. Um, But there were some great guitar players. I mean, Perth still has a really fantastic um, music scene. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of those 
older guys had come from Sydney and Melbourne and, and there were quite a few from New Zealand as well and that sort of stopped in Perth on their way somewhere else and and ended up staying there. So it was yeah, this right. hotbed of kind of um, musical talent. So it was pretty exciting stuff when I was starting out to watch those oh, guys. Dave Hole definitely. as well was another one. Yeah. So uh, were your mum or dad musical? Did they, I know that they, they, you said they played a lot of music, but did they like play instruments or sing? Um, we, we didn't think so until um, years later when I was not too long ago. My auntie sent me a picture of my dad who was in a like a vocal group um, in the 60s and he, he'd never told us that. It was like uh, something he was didn't want to share. And then there was this mm. photo of him standing there with his mic singing. I was like, oh, my God. He was, like, <laughs> he was always my biggest supporter. He would always come to every gig. And so he absolutely loved it. And now I can see why. Oh, I, that, how good. He must have been so proud of you, PJ. Yeah. But I wish he'd told me that earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you could have got a lot of, uh, well, it's a common uh common thing between you you know mm, so but anyway it, it is what it is I guess yeah yeah so how would you say uh did from that early point of going to the uh blues jams did you then have any lessons or think how do I get into this more because I don't think YouTube was around then or if it was it wasn't as much as what it is now no it was Ultimately, you had to find a good teacher, and and um, but yeah, I from the jam there was some there was a band called the Mighty Mudcats, blues band, who um, asked if I wanted to join, and so I went to a rehearsal, and um, it became apparent within you know about thirty seconds that I had no musical knowledge at all, like I didn't know what key was what, and um, didn't know any chords. Um, right. So Interesting. The, yeah, the guitar player who left that band um, was also a guitar teacher, so they sent me to him um, to get some musical knowledge. So I didn't learn to read or write music, but I just learned um, some chords, and particularly for blues, you know, ninth chords and five chords and and um, just a few blues things to get me going. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So that, that sort of started the ball rolling. Yeah. I find um, it's music and guitar playing and blues even, it's such a journey because it's not it's so deep. Yeah. And I, I think people don't realise actually how deep it is and it's not just one thing. It's, it's so much more than that. Yeah, and um, once you... If you're into the music, you realise that there's so many different um, branches to the the blues tree, mm. you know, style-wise, and um, and um, it's yeah, it's um, still keeps me interested. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm always finding and discovering new artists, um, new old artists, I should say. Yeah, you know, and it's just like you look at them. I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh my God. Yeah. You just look at him and think, where did he come from? Because mm. it wasn't Earth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Where um, did he come from? That's, you know, one of those overnight successes, 20 years in the making sort of thing. Mm, mm, mm. Um, 
but yeah, those he was a huge influence, and I think um, it's just that that passion, you know, seeing anyone who's an expert in their field, um, it's their passion that you you recognise as much as their skill for whatever they're doing, and um, you realise that those the greats in any field just hone their skill non-stop. It's that you know ten thousand flying hours, whatever they talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's doing the same thing over and over again until you've perfected it. That's uh, right. Now, would you say you do that? Do you no, have definitely guitar? Not. <laughs> <laughs> do you have guitars laying around the house in different rooms and um, sit? Do you play a lot? Do you practice a lot? Um, not now. I did when I was younger, but I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, it's terrible, but I'm. I don't play nearly enough, really. And uh, it's one of those things you definitely have to keep um, keep sharp. And, um, but you know, if there's a, a gig coming up in in the week or weeks leading up to it, I start to get the guitar out more and more. And so, you know, I'm not just rolling in cold for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, no. And do you ever find uh, that you're doing one of your original songs, and all of a sudden it seems to be morphing into something else? And you find a new song from it? Um, I don't know. I always try to stick to um, the, the format, the recorded format of the song. There's some that okay. sort of lend themselves to, you know, sort of jamming a bit. Um, yeah. But if it's something that's structured, I sort of stick pretty close to it because it's sort of um, – you can sort of, um, you know, get bogged down a little bit. But, um, but I definitely yeah. get ideas from – things but um yeah i think um and it's interesting when you know if it's our britain playing bass it's got one particular way of sounding and then if someone else is filling in it's everyone brings their little thing to it so yeah that's can, right oh ali's one of those stalwarts isn't he yeah oh you can't go past our britain on bass no he's um he's got such an original style and he's got such an authoritative style as well you know it's like um, you know, he holds the time and it doesn't move. You know, it's like he's a a true bass player. Yeah, he is. He is that, and a hell of a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. So now I want to go back to that first band that you tried out for. Did you yep. end up playing with them after some lessons and stuff? Yeah, and so it's funny. They were kind of. Um, I, I play with a band here sometimes called Tomcat uh, Playground. And they're a, a sort of straight-ahead blues band, mm-hmm. uh, class, you know, sort of Chicago blues and um, swing stuff. And that was, was what that first band was like. They were doing similar stuff. And it was kind of too um, straight-ahead for me at the time. I kind of wanted, because I was into SIV and Hendrix and, you know, I wanted to rock out. Yep. And I always think, oh, if only I could join that band now, <laughs> that first yep. band again. But, um, but yeah, they're still around that band playing now and um, I don't know if you know Dave Brewer the guitar player from the Mighty Reapers yep he um, he's their guitar player now okay cool right so have, from that band did you go into any other bands or how have you filled the time out um, between then and now being your own singer songwriter recording artist uh, from there I joined a band called Barefootin which was doing the sort of rockier stuff. 
and uh, that was kind of a better fit. And then from that band, the bass player and I started writing original stuff. Yep. And um, and then I kind of had to start singing because we just wanted to play originals and, you know, if, if you want to do that, you kind of got to do it yourself. Yes. Um, and so that was, um, we started a trio and um, that's how it ended up becoming uh, my own thing. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, yeah. Yeah, it was hard to start with the, the singing and playing at the same time and and not being very comfortable being the front man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are, PJ, one of the most humblest people I've ever met. Oh. Truly, truly. I'll stick around. I'll, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll warm up. <laughs> no, you are really. I've always said that about you, that you're one of the most humblest men I've ever seen. So, and I think that goes a long way, but you shine, you absolutely shine when you're singing and playing and especially singing and playing one of your original songs. Oh, well, it's um, that's nice to hear. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you ever play other genres of music just for fun, just to have a jam out. Um, yeah, if I, I'm kind of sort of um, limited, I guess, a little bit in my um, my playing. Like I don't know much else about apart from blues, sort of, and rootsy stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I certainly love a lot of different genres, and um, I do. I'm quite partial to a bit of rock. Yeah. So, oh, I did not know that about you, PJ. Yeah. So some sometimes. Um, I like to rock out a little bit on stage. I'll crank up that distortion pedal a little bit. <laughs> well, I would like to come and see you do that, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, very interesting that um, it, you don't have really a lot of time for mainstream uh, commercial music would be the word, I guess. Well, I like, um, I don't know, I, I kind of do like, um, a lot of top forty stuff. Um, oh, just... to play, I meant. Sorry, to oh, play, I meant. Yeah. yeah, I just kind of do the original thing, and um, I guess that's what I've always, what I've been doing for a while. So um, I just keep doing it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I want you to continue doing it and bringing some more albums out. That's for that's sure. The plan. Yeah. Now, while we're talking about your writing and your music, I have a track here called Cash. Yep. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about how that song come about? Um, well, on the most recent album, High Cost, uh, it was just about, it came out about a year ago now, but um, I needed one last song for the album and I wanted it to be like a Thunderbirds-type rock and roll tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sort of a half-finished idea that we just finished up quickly in the studio just to get that extra track and it's turned out to be the the one that was least thought about and people liked the most. Um that that quite often happens. Mm, but it's a it's a tongue in cheek uh story of economic hardship. Um mm-hmm. my wife's asked me to add that in. <laughs> Did she Yeah. She's not the uh, the GFC referred to in the, the song. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Um but yeah I just I yeah, it's kind of that love of 50s rock and roll that one came from. And yeah, that's what I thought, yeah, yeah. Danny Sun, the um, piano player, 
it plays with me um, quite a bit. He's the, the true star of that song, I think. I think it's his piano that everyone loves so much in that track. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a huge Johnny Johnson fan, um, Chuck Berry's piano player, and you yeah. can really hear that in that track. Perfect. All right, then. Well, I think what we'll do now is have a listen to Cash.
what a fabulous track and of course you can hear those keyboards in there and of course PJ playing guitar as well how fantastic a song is that really well done yeah I, well I just like to um, I like the up-tempo stuff oh yes up-tempo things are really really fun to play and to listen to as well but I have a place for the slow blues I love a slow blues yeah love to um always love to slow blues and um, partial to a good ballad as well. That's right. And it is expression, isn't it? You know, and uh, that's what I like about blues as well is that you can tell where the person is in their life by how they, they talk in the song, how they talk as in how they're playing. You know, and um, it's just like, oh, they must be having a hard trot or, oh, gee, they're going really well and this is really coming, you know, out out strong. Do you ever feel as though you've done a, a little solo, you know, when you're jamming or practising and you can never repeat it? Um, well, a bit of both, really, depending on the depending on the song. Like if it's one of mine, there's some, some things that it, where I just kind of play the original solo with a couple of little changes um, just because I don't want to get kind of lost in it. But um, if it's a straight up kind of blues thing, it's um, it's about improvising really. Um, and there's kind of stock phrases and, and licks that um, everyone uses. And you just kind of, you know, it's like a jigsaw, you just move the pieces around and, and work out what fits where and um yeah that's what I, I kind of like about it you can sort of say what you want yeah sometimes you um you have really good nights and um and you think um that's about as good as you can do it and um but it doesn't get a reaction and other times you just sort of you know treading water or just kind of doing something you've done before and and it might get a really good response so I think often it's just in your own head how it's um, going over and um, but yeah I haven't really um, kind of limited I guess by what I know so I can't like improvise madly and and come up with something um, completely different but uh, but I can definitely feel it more on some nights that's for sure that's always that's the great thing about blues is it's the vibe you kind of can bring I guess absolutely that's that's what that music is all all about I guess the vibe it absolutely is now PJ I know you play a mean guitar do you play any other instruments um no the full quite often but um (laughs) no uh, (laughs) it's just guitar for better or worse right have you ever been interested in learning something different or well I love um piano and we do have a, a piano here so I kind of like to sit at that and just noodle around mm-hmm. and um, my daughter's got an electronic drum kit oh. here, so um, I like to get on that and thrash around on that. And how old is she to have it to be playing drums? Uh, well she's 10 and um, she's got an older sister who's 13 and um, so both of them are really into music. Fantastic. But um, no one's doing any kind of lessons or anything but we just sort of leave the stuff turned on and around in the hope that, you know, they'll get the spark and 
Well, now, how good would that be if the, you've got one daughter playing the drums and the other one picked up the bass guitar? Man, you've got a band. Yeah. <laughs> how good would that be? I think uh, you need to buy the uh, the other girl a bass guitar. Yeah, it's been talked about, actually. <laughs> oh, good stuff. I think that that um, would work. There's savings to be had. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. All right, now, um, so I spoke a little bit in your intro about going to Memphis for the Blues Challenge. Um, Is that what it's called, the Blues Challenge? Yeah, International Blues Challenge, yeah. Yeah. So now we were talking earlier and you mentioned that you actually went in 2005 or 2006. Mm. How did that come about and how did you feel? doing that well the um sydney blue society runs the competition every year and um and then the uh, international blues foundation runs the challenge every february and then each blue society from all over the world send their their act um so yeah i, I couldn't believe i got through that first time mm-hmm. and um so i didn't even have a, a band so i kind of i put a band together for the competition mm-hmm. and um and so the first time was it was good but i was so kind of um terrified of the competition itself i just kind of freaked myself out and didn't have a very good time oh no that's um, um sad to hear yeah so and then 10 years later i thought i'll enter again and um mainly because i just really wanted to go to um see america again you're right yeah and i thought well this is a way to kind of do it and have a play at the same time and um and because I, I wasn't really motivated by the comp itself and I was kind of older and um I ended up having a great time because I wasn't caring about the um the competition side of it you're right and um yeah I got through to the semi-finals which was amazing and I just had an absolute ball playing in front of those crowds that, and um that's fantastic fantastic yeah, and um, so that was a really good experience and um, I was glad I was able to do it twice and um, we would go back and and do it again. Now, when you went over there for the competition, did you also have a little holiday while you were there? A little bit yeah, of sightseeing? There. Yeah, we did a gig once the comp was over. We went down to Clarksdale in Mississippi, Ooh, um, which is nice. just over the, the border from Tennessee. Yep. And um, we played a show there. Um, and so we got to have a good look around Clarkstar, which is like, you know, um, so many uh, great blues musicians have, have lived, you know, worked or been born in Clarkstar. So it's like kind of blues mecca. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that was just incredible to wander around the town and just soak all that up. And, um, and I actually went back to Clarkstar in 2000. 19 with Tomcat and we did some shows over there. Oh, that's great. Um, great. Yeah, so I've been over there a couple of times. Um and it's just um yeah, it's amazing when you're down south there and you're driving around every sign you see for a town, you've you've heard of that town in the blues song somewhere. Um so just the history and you know, talking about the vibe, that place is just, you know, really um, Blue Central. Yeah, that's for sure. How fantastic is that? 
So the last time you were there was 2017 for the Blues Challenge competition. Yeah, and then 2019 with Tomcat. Tomcat, yeah. Have you got any plans to go back? Uh, I'd love to go again. Um, I'd also love to get over to um, to Europe as well. There's such a great blues market over there. Yeah, and in fact, a lot a lot of the American players spend you know all summer over in Europe touring around. Oh, um, really? Yeah, there's just so you know everything's so close. All the countries are so close, and there's a huge outdoor festival scene. Um, seems like that's a really big place to be. Yeah. Well, I, I wish you all the best in going there, that's for sure. I'm sure you'll have a fabulous time. Now, what about festivals in Australia? Uh, I, I know because we've seen you down at Goulburn Blues Festival. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a lot of, there's a few good blues festivals around it. And uh, I think the last one we did was Cronulla Jazz and Blues Festival. Yep. And we did Giracool earlier in the year. Um so I haven't got any, I'm not booked for any coming up, but um, hopefully I can get on another one. There's so many great bands out there all vying for the same gigs and festivals. Well, that's true, isn't it? It becomes a bit of, it's yeah. a bit of a meat market, so to speak. There's no, um, you know, no dark of talent, that's for sure. No, and how lucky are we that we do have so much blues talent in Australia, mm. you know? Uh, I think... Um, it certainly got my ear and my heart, I'll tell you, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. So so the current band you have, what is that called with Al Brennan? Uh, yeah, that's just under my own name. So it's just called the PJ O'Brien Band. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, myself, Al, and um, Dave Fester or Chris Nable on the drums. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if the money's there, we always add the keys, which is Danny's son. Yep. Um, so, yeah, four-piece um, if we can swing it. Otherwise, it's a, a trio. Yeah. And what's your favourite place, places to play? A little pub or something bigger or...? Um, I like the little pubs, I think, mainly just because it's... Um, it's uh, I find festivals, you can sort of um, get a bit lost up on the, the big stage. Yeah. And um, and also there's sort of a lot of variables with a festival. You're not really sure how it's going to sound until you you start playing. You don't really get a sound check. Oh. You just kind of, we get up there and you sort of check your fold back. That's about it. Um, and there, you know, you, you might play for 45 or an hour. Um, so by the time you're getting warmed up, I find, um, you, it's time to come off. So... Um, yeah, I like a, a pub with a bit more of a relaxed vibe. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I've always said that to everybody knows that about me. You want me to come up and sing? Oh, I don't want to get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stay up there and I'm so lucky that I get to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what's coming up for you, PJ? You've got another album on the boil or some more music being written? Yeah, I'm working on some new songs mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, it's probably not until I um, actually set a date to record that I'll then panic and actually finish songs. <laughs> panic. Um, yeah, yeah, it's usually only with a deadline that I'm, you know, prompted into action. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's um, 
I'm going to try and get over to WA for a little tour next year. Fantastic. And, um, awesome. Hopefully keep working on that Europe thing. Um, and in the meantime, just keep trying to get better at what I do and um, keep enjoying myself. Yeah, that's good. That's the main thing, isn't it, that you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And um, that you can see some improvement also because, you know, it's a that's what you want to do as a player and as a vocalist is you want to be able to improve. It's no good staying the same. And I think yeah. too what I've noticed with your music is, the, the albums that we have, is I can see how you've grown as well. Yeah, I, I think it definitely um... – gets a little, hopefully gets a little better as they go along. Um, and, yeah, you just become a bit more, you know, the shoe fits a little better as you get older, I, I guess. With yeah, the shoe leather gets and, a bit softer. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just like a, a well-worn tennis shoe. Now it's all, I'm getting older, but it's comfy. Yes. <laughs> now, um, on your albums, there's a lady doing backups in some of them. Yes. Would that be your wife? Rachel, yeah. She's on uh, track um, three, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, track four, Science of Golden, the, the ballad. Mm -hmm. And um, Devil You Know as well, the little rock and roll thing. Um, yeah, so Rachel's been jumping up and, and doing more stuff recently, BVs, which has been great. So our kids are finally old enough that um, we can both go out at the same time. Yes. Um, so she is finally getting to gigs again, which is great. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we recorded those BVs um, during COVID. Oh. We recorded Devil You Know in, in the kitchen on the laptop. There you I, go. I wow. You might be able to hear the dishwasher cycle <laughs> finishing in the background at one point. But, but that's all um, part of the charm anyway, you know. That's rustic charm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that's been great. Now, is she a professional singer? Uh, she hasn't done it professionally, but um, she's always sung. And, um, yeah, so she did some BVs on the first album as well. Um, but she's always been a great singer and always loved her music, so it's been great to actually have her involved. Fantastic. Now, where can people purchase your music from um they can buy the albums uh through my website which is pjobrianblues.com mm -hmm. um or you can if you do online streaming i think you can get it through apple music or um pretty much most of the platforms i think except for spotify it's not on there yeah um yeah otherwise if you if you're after a cd it's just through me yeah, I think uh, buying the CD and having it like, as I said, we play your albums as we're, or your CDs as we're driving along across the country and it's just, yeah, it puts you in a really good mood, I can tell you. Really good mood. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I think um, the car is where most CDs get played these days. I think um, yeah. that's, um, I, I sell a lot of CDs to people who are like, oh, we don't have a, a player that gets played in the car and um, that's why I do most of my listening as well. 
yeah, I think because uh, you have, you know, you have that time. And, of course, because we travel so much, so it's just like, yeah, make sure you grab PJs, CDs, you know. Yeah. Yeah, which reminds Fantastic. me we have to replace one as well. I think we've lost one, so we need to buy another one from you. <laughs> we, I'd hazard a guess and say down between the console and the seat. That's okay. where mine always end up. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good um Good idea. I'll have a look at that. Now, we do have another uh, track here from you and it's called High Cost. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about High Cost and how it came about? Uh, Well, this was another one where it's um, it's kind of got a a sort of standard sounding blues riff, I guess, in the verses. That's a pretty common uh, sort of feel. But then I came up with a a sort of double-time... soul type uh, chorus uh, I was kind of thinking of Stevie Wonder when I came up with that chorus so again it's just that mix of we're trying to give blues a little commercial edge I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah and the it's just about uh, the current um, climate out there I guess everyone's feeling the pinch and it was a song about that yeah, definitely. Now, uh, let's just talk about that half a sec before we listen to High Cost. How yeah. do you find, um, I don't know quite how to put it, uh, getting paid a, as a musician? You know, is it um, what would you expect to get paid or is it less than what you expect to get paid or has it changed well, I, from I when you first you... started? Well, I think... Um... It's probably one of the only industries where the money has stayed the same in 30 years. Mm-hmm. But having said that, uh, it depends who you're working for, I guess, and, and where you are in the, the city. If you're sort of out of town a little bit, money seems to go up. And um, But I find that in a city, the, the money's pretty low, I guess, because smaller venues and they're just not generating enough money to pay more. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's tough for, for all musos, isn't it, in the, the arts in general, I think. It's something that everybody loves and needs so much, but um, it's kind of the, an afterthought when it comes to money often, I think. From the government. I totally agree with you there. Do you f- – sorry. I was just going to say um, I think when you, you look at Melbourne, which realises how much entertainment brings to um, the state and how much money it generates, and they, they definitely um, – uh, look after their artists a bit more down there, I think. Mm. I think, um, yeah, but I'm no expert. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel as though the music, how it was pre-COVID, like heaps of gigs, for example, as compared to now, do you still feel as though uh, we're not quite back to the number of gigs we were uh, before COVID or...? Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty much back to um, back to normal. I think there were probably a lot of places or previous venues that didn't make it through COVID, so maybe that's mm. taken a few away. But um, uh, yeah, I think it's there was definitely a bounce back up like post COVID, just in the general enthusiasm from venues and punters for live music again. I think it was people were just wrapped to get out the door and and watch a band again. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you found that as well. Yes, um, yeah. We're inundated. We're busy every weekend playing, so. 
Yeah. I can't knock that at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not um, at all. So, yeah, I guess it was probably a good thing just showing people um, not to take take it for granted, I guess. Yeah. All right, so let's listen to High Cost.
once again, another stellar track from you, PJ. Oh, thank you. Very welcome. And I look forward to more of your music being produced. Now, tell us a little bit about who produces or how you put your albums out. Well, the the first two were um, recorded at A-Sharp Studios in Riverwood here in Sydney with um, Jeff Cripps. Um, he played drums on both of them as well and he was a producer. So we worked together to produce those. And I would sort of go to him and say, this is how much money I've, I can spend. And he would just make sure it came out um, on budget. Mm-hmm. So they were recorded pretty quickly. Um, this last one was recorded with George Brookman's at his home studio in Milpera. Mm-hmm. And he's a drummer as well. So that was recorded during COVID. So it was just he and I kind of building the songs in the studio. And he plays on... I think about seven of the tracks, mm-hmm. six, six of the tracks, I think. Um, and so we just kind of produced it together where he would kind of, I'd say what I wanted and then he would explain whether it was possible or not. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was um, that was different. That was more kind of um, we took a, a lot more time to do it, mainly because we couldn't get, be um, – couldn't get together all the time. It was like one night a week mm-hmm. all through COVID. And um, so it was kind of good in a way. In other ways, it kind of took longer than I would have um, liked, just for the freshness kind of um, thing. It just kind of – I think we both felt it It took a bit too long. Yeah, 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 which couldn't be helped. So, no. So I, I take it that you used – COVID in a very productive way of getting some music together and organising yourself for another for an album to be done. Yeah, and it was kind of every Wednesday night and, um, you know, usually I couldn't get over to his place until sort of eight or nine and we'd work for a couple of hours, and which was all good except for when I was recording vocals on a Wednesday night at 10 o'clock and I listened back and I think, yeah, that sounds like a guy He's tired. At 10 o'clock on Wednesday. <laughs> but, you know, your voice might be a bit lower and a bit more gravelly or, you know, and sometimes that's very appealing. Yeah. I think it was the yawning mid-song that was <laughs> Oh, dear. So now, PJ, <laughs> PJ uh, what have you – do you go and see many uh, live acts yourself? Not as much as I want or, or should. I'm a pretty terrible um, punter. <laughs> um, I love it, but um, usually, it, you know, it's time to go out. I sort of, um, I'm on the couch, and it's like, oh, I'll do it next week. And um, but there's certainly so many bands that I want to go out and, and see. So I want to start making more of an effort to do that. Yeah, it's hard. Some sometimes we don't start till nine p.m., and I'm just like, oh, I need to have an afternoon nap before I do that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. That's when it's a, it can be a that's when it's a job. Yes. Now, so so back in the day, maybe when you were younger at school or having left school and were working, uh, did you go and see bands and and acts then? Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely out a lot then. And who was somebody f- that you really liked watching or liked going to see? Uh, I used to love watching Dave Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just before he um, signed with Alligator Records and 
went overseas. So he was still playing in like little corner pubs then to nobody. And um, so that used to blow my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to watch a band called Videli. I don't know if you know, you've heard of them, Mike, Mike Videli from WA. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I used to go watch them and, and he's still around doing great things. Um, so, yeah, there was no shortage of bands to go see back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when I first came to Sydney, you know, you know, I used to go watch Ray Beetle all the time and I still do that when I can. Yep. And Darren Jack and Adam Pringle and all those guys were, you know, they were just starting out then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just these days, I, I guess having the family and um, it's a bit harder to get out, but. It'll happen again. Well, it will definitely. And you know what I can foresee, PJ, is that those two little girls of yours, one on the drums and one on bass, and you yep. you are taking them around to the different venues and getting them going in their in their um, careers. Well, that would be something. It would, wouldn't it? I can see that happening. How luck, um, how lucky are they to have a dad who? Well, one is you, plays like you, and is such a great role model for them. Well, it's very nice of you to, to say. Well, I mean, they, um, <laughs> they, um, yeah, it's funny, they're, they're big supporters. In fact, um, you know, if I come home from a gig and I'm like, oh, I sold one CD, they'd be like, Dad sold a CD, like running up and down the, the hallway. <laughs> that's awesome. And well, so, and that's another question, actually. When you go and do a gig, do you have your merchandise there with you? Yeah, well, like my pedal board being <laughs> everywhere, the merch case is in a similar state. Oh, dear. It's, um, yeah, they just fall out of the case and, and they're sold off the floor. That seems to be the, um, the way it works. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's there's definitely work to be done. Yeah. Uh, with the stage setup. Yeah. Oh no, I was only teasing you, PJ. <laughs> Anybody who can get the sound that you can out of a an inanimate object can have their pedals however they like them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but mind you, next time I come and see you, I might want to like untangle your cords. <laughs> yeah, feel free to um tell them do a quick setup. <laughs> Just teasing you to PJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, once again, thank you so much for taking the time out this evening to speak with me and to chat to me about everything that we have. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I have too. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. And I hope to sit down with you again in the future and see you at a gig somewhere around the traps. That would be great. All right, PJ, I'll say good night for today. See you later. Thanks, Crystal. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And we've been chatting this evening to bluesman PJ O'Brien. We've come to the end of the show. I'm your hostess, Crystal, and you've been listening to Conversations with Crystal. Until next week when I will bring you another fabulous guest, please stay safe, stay happy, stay cool, Stay awesome. And most of all, stay tuned to this channel. Good night. <laughs>